from F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming, this is Missile Minutia, the official podcast of the 90th Missile Wing and the Wranglers of F.E. Warren. Here are your hosts. Hello again and welcome back to the podcast. This is the 90th Missile Wing's official podcast, Missile Minutia. Um, as always, my name is Glenn Robertson from the Public Affairs Office and with me, as usual, is uh, Tech Sergeant Tyler Placey. How you doing? Yeah. Glenn, I'm Tyler Placey. You are Tyler it is, Placey. It is nice to be here today. We've got a, a very special guest, uh, Chief Raymond Bradley, the Security Forces Group Superintendent. And thank you for being here today, Chief. Thanks a lot, man. I'm really excited to do this. I, I, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come on and uh, talk with you guys. I'm looking forward to this. No, it's our pleasure. So, uh, you know, pleasantries first. How are you doing today? How's uh, how's everything going getting, uh, getting to that big day? Um, you know what? Uh, my retirement ceremony is September 18th, and I'm really looking forward to September 19th, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> you don't uh, say. Yeah, the missus and I, you know, we're excited. We get to see a lot of friends and family and stuff like that coming in. But, you know, it's also, it's stressful getting sure. everything prepared, you know, making sure that you got places for folks to stay. You got all the things set up for the retirement ceremony and everything like that. So it's a little bit stressful, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm, I'm also a little on the, uh, you know, there's been multiple times I, that I'll start sitting there and reflecting on what's gone on in my career and the people in my career. Sure. And uh, if I don't end up in tears today, I'll be shocked, to be honest with you, as we talk about some sure. of this stuff, because I'm going to miss uh, the people, especially whenever I'm done with this. Sure. Absolutely. So let's get those tears started. So <laughs> when, when, did you, uh, when did you join the Air Force? Uh, so I joined uh, the Air Force. I entered basic training on 8 June 1993. So by the time I'm done, my actual official retirement date will be the 31st of December of this year. Well, I have 27 years and like 23 days or something, or six months and 23 days or something along those lines. And I only know that because I was filling out my DD Form 214 worksheet yesterday, and that's about what it came out. I was so, going to say, who's counting? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't counting, honestly, until I saw that on my worksheet. And I have a weird thing where I remember stupid things like that for sure. some reason. Sure, for sure. I got to imagine over the course of 27-odd uh, years, you've probably got more than a few stories, more than a few experiences. What uh, what would you consider one of your favorite experiences over the last 27 years? So one of my favorite experiences over the last 24 years, and that's one of the 27 years, sorry. You're right, 27 years. Cool, I'm like, oh my yeah, God, I'm not listening. The, yeah, yeah, no, 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 that was my bad. Uh, so, <laughs> and don't worry about editing that out, it's good. I, Perfect. I, people need to know I, I screw up all the time. So over the last 27 years, I, I would say, some of the the cool things that I've been able to do you know the Air Force has afforded me some great opportunities you know from the 20 something different countries in Europe that I've been to the fact that I've been able to go to the uh, Jordan River where Jesus was baptized I've seen Petra um, you know I, I've seen lots of really really awesome things from the Berlin Wall to the French Riviera to all just all over Europe you know going to the different festivals and you know one of the things that I talk to folks about on a regular basis is you know don't judge the Air Force no matter whether you love it at F.E. Warren or not by F.E. Warren Air Force Base go someplace and find something different you know and do something and I encourage them to go overseas because one of the things that I love about the overseas environment is like if you're in Germany for instance you know there's a festival every weekend that revolves around you know carnivals, charred flesh, or meat on a grill, and, you know, 
probably some sort of uh, you know alcohol beverage if that's your thing not condoning alcohol necessarily but if that's your thing there is some sort of uh, alcohol beverage that you can partake in whether it's their wines or their beers or whatever else like that so just awesome experiences you know and when you think about Europe you know just about every little town that you go to there's a church that's older than the United States of America that you can go and visit so there's some pretty cool stuff to go and see so I would encourage anybody to to, to do what I had the opportunity of 20-something countries, um, you know, multiple deployments. I got to see some pretty cool stuff. So I would encourage anybody to get out and do some of that stuff. It's, you know, th those are highlights of my career. And the great thing is, is that I've been able to do that with my family for the most sure. part, other than the deployment stuff, you know. And sure. We still did a pretty good job of keeping in touch even on the deployments. That's awesome. So how you mentioned you did this all with your family. How did you find that, that work-life balance to, to make sure that you made it to this retirement day that's coming up? I'll be honest, at first I sucked at it. When I was a young trooper especially, um, I, I, I was not good at it. Um, there were plenty of times that, as a young senior airman staff sergeant that I felt that if I was not there till 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night, um, and some of my leadership was there, and it was kind of the way that we were as an Air Force at that time um, was that I wasn't doing enough. And, I mean, there were probably times, honestly, that I could have left two hours earlier than I did, but I didn't want to, you know, let down my leadership and everything like that because I was trying to be a successful airman. And we have airmen like that today that do some of the exact same things. But as I got older... Uh, you know, sometime probably in that staff to tech range, I started, you know, really focusing on, you know, when it was quitting time to leave, yeah. you know. And I did that because by that point I was a leader and I didn't want my airmen to sit there and think that they had to be there until I was done uh, with work or whatever like that. I mean, it doesn't mean I didn't come in on days off from time to time, but I really focused on what I could do to make sure that I left and set that good example for my airmen. You know, I mean, you know, I, I got nearly, I got 1,400-ish airmen that, you know, I, I'm responsible for in the uh, security forces group over here right now. And if I'm here past 5 o'clock in the evening, you know, that's unusual for me because I want them to understand that, you know, it's okay to go home and spend time with your family. So I try and leave work. My goal is to leave work by no later than 5.30 every day. I don't always make that, but for the sure. most part, I do make it out by like by no later than 5.30 every day. Um, I try and get out of the office and go and eat lunch or do something outside of the office because I want to be that way. And uh, you guys may have seen me uh, from time to time. The missus and I will actually sit outside of her building over at the wing headquarters and we'll have lunch just sitting out there in the sunshine during the summertime you know just so we get to spend some of that time together and i think those you have to make that time you know and one of the things that we do a lot of times in the air force is that we make everything an emergency you know and if there's always a fire nothing it, nothing gets done to be honest sure. with you because everything's so important that it must get done you know, you know so we're not at war right now is what I would tell anybody out there. So if you can take off, sure. take off. You know, sure. there may be a time that you're asked to work 18 hours, sure. and then I need you to be able to work 18 hours. But I don't need that out of you every day. I need, I need, I need eight to 10 hours 
out of you, sometimes 12 hours, depending on what kind of shift you're in. But I don't need 16 hours out of you a day. That's That should be the exception, not the rule. I need you to come in, do your job, do, get as much done as you can during that eight to 10 hours. Give me a hard eight to 10 hours, you know, and then and then go home and be with your family. I, I think that's important, you know. And, and the other part of it is my bride is a freaking saint, to be honest with you. <laughs> You know, um, the fact that she's put up with this, uh, you know, and different things. And, and you know, for the spouses, if any of you listen to this, one of the things that I would ask that you do is it's okay to be mad, but try not to be mad at your spouse. Uh, the one thing that my wife was always great about is she would be angry about a situation. She would not be angry that I was held late or I was called in on a day off or something along those lines. She would be mad at the situation she did not take it out on me. So that's just some advice from a guy who's been married over 25 years to a woman who really is a saint for putting up with me for that long. It certainly takes a special type of person what to, are you saying? to go through this. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, somebody, as somebody who's worked in the wing building and has worked with your wife uh, for an awful long time at this point, four years now, um, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh, Ms. Bradley's a, a wonderful human. So, um, But... Uh, Kind of got a little sidetracked there, um, but you were talking about light work-life balance. Um, do you have any other advice that doesn't specifically go to that, to someone coming up, someone just out of tech school, just showing up fresh to Effie Warren? What kind of advice would you tell someone like that? So I will expound upon this, but if I can tell you to do one thing, learn your job and do your job, that's it at the end of the day. Uh, we sometimes get focused on all of these other outside things of what I need to do to be this great professional airman and everything like that. And if you want to be successful in this Air Force, the most important thing you do is your J-O-B. Do your job, all right? And focus on that. We, we have airmen, and, and God love you, but uh, you know, when you're focused so much on how do I get senior airmen below the zone or something along those lines, are you really focusing completely on doing your job? You know, you want to be successful in our Air Force, do your job. That's the most important thing we do. That's for that brand new airman. For an NCO, the, uh, the thing that I will tell you, and I hope this doesn't come out wrong, is I don't care what you do anymore. I care about how well you lead your team. I think that's the most important thing that you do. Um, it's not about you, um, and I would tell any senior NCO or NCO that that's the way I feel about it, is that it's not about you. It's how well you're leading your people at this point. So, uh, you know, focus on how you lead and take care of your airmen as an NCO and senior NCO. I think those are really important things. And I'm a believer that if you do those things, the rest of the stuff will take care of itself, you know. And a lot of people get focused on volunteering and and education and and I'll tell you I I'm a believer in both of those things I believe volunteering makes you a better airman but you know whenever I look and I see this and I see airmen all the time that you know they have a spring up their butt that they volunteer for everything that comes along and you know frankly you their peers me they all find those people annoying so find <laughs> something that you're passionate about and volunteer for that you know, uh, because if you look at your EPR, you have two lines on your EPR that revolve around whole airman concept. 
the rest of it is about how well you do your job. And if you got any more than two lines of volunteer on your EPR, I question, are you doing your job? Because there should be enough in 365 days that you can fill up an EPR with doing your job. Education, I think education is absolutely important. But I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, go get your, you know, regionally accredited associate's degree so you can be a chief master sergeant in the Air Force or get your bachelor's degree because, you know, so you can go to OTS. Those are great goals and great things, and I hope that if that's something that you're interested in that you do it. But if you're like me, at some point you're going to take this uniform off, and I want you to be a better person from a job skill standpoint whenever you exit our Air Force than when you come came into our Air Force. You know, and they got great programs over at our education center. If you just that AU to BC program that they have, I mean, when you're talking, if you really put your heart into it, you could be done with your bachelor's degree in three and a half years as a full-time active duty airman if you just want to do it. So, so that that's my advice between CLEPS and stuff like that. So, so the JOB is the most important thing. I don't want to sit here and say that it's not important to volunteer because I think it is. And in, at F.E. Warren Air Force Base, there is one thing that I will ask you to volunteer for, and that's Frontier Days. That's the <laughs> only thing I'm going to ask you to say that I need you to volunteer because that organization gives several hundred thousand dollars a year back to this wing um, to make uh, things better for our airmen. So that's, that's kind of what I got there. So speaking of CFD... Yeah. What is your favorite memory? How, how many CFDs have you have you been to first? Probably eight or nine total. This is my third time at F.E. Warren. I don't think I've said that, but uh, I started here as Airman Basic Bradley, and I'm in the 90th Security Police Group, and now I'm leaving as the group superintendent. But uh, So probably eight or nine of them total that I've been a part of, and uh, there's there's one honestly and it was it was during this time here that i was a part of two of well one of them honestly um and really i was volunteering uh for it and uh my wife and i were at the concert and we were we were pouring beers but my job was you know whenever i showed up there they're like uh so who's the highest ranking individual here and everybody that was there, there was like 20, 25 folks that were there. They all just turned and look at me, and I'm like, all right, that's me. So I got put basically in charge of the entire thing, but really what I ended up doing was I was the ID checker guy. I wasn't pouring beer or taking money or anything along those lines. And, you know, I love just kind of making jokes and having fun with people. So, you know, whenever they would come up and they would show me their IDs or whatever like that, I'd make I'd make jokes about them or to them and stuff like that it's kind of the same way whenever I work the gates and stuff so for me that was just a lot of fun you know um, another one that was kind of fun was uh, when I was here the last time so I went to Frontier Days and we were standing room only um, I don't remember what so we were down in the party zone uh, and we were there with my mother-in-law and her husband Pete and during it's, it's a funny story. Uh, my mother-in-law probably won't like this, but hopefully she won't listen. To, maybe she'll listen. I don't know. But uh, What's her email? We'll, we'll make sure she... Uh, she'll see it. There's no question. I'll make sure she sees it because if nothing else, I'll share it on my Facebook page. But, uh, but, yeah, so we were down there, and there was, you know, people were having a few drinks and doing what they do down in the party zone. And, uh, and frankly, my mother-in-law, her husband, my wife, and I, 
if we had had a beer, we might have had one beer. I don't think we had two. I don't think we'd had anything, to be honest with you, but we might have. But this young girl in front of us was really getting into this show and ends up, she's spilling beer on my, uh, on my mother-in-law. And my wife is like, hey, you're spilling beer on my mom. And, uh, and this lady, and then she's, of course, she's inebriated at this time. So she gets into, you know, I'm ready to, you know, kind of fight and stuff like that. And then my mother-in-law's grabbing the beer and almost pouring it back on the lady. And my wife steps in at this point here like she's about to just go ham on this young lady. <laughs> and I have to step in between them. And I remember... Um, if you can picture this, because my wife was on my left-hand side, uh, whenever I separated them, I put my hand here, and the other one went like this right here and pushed the other lady out of the way. And then we just kind of moved away and separated ourselves from it. But it was kind of, it was just kind of funny just watching my mother-in-law grab this lady's beer in her hand in a plastic cup, trying to pour it back on her, <laughs> and my wife jumping in like she's going to come in like a, you know, she was coming in like a, a, a T-Rex dinosaur about to just <laughs> crush this this young lady and everything and then me having to kind of step in and get everything separated and all that good stuff so I mean it was it's a it's a funny memory we still make some jokes about it from time to time sure. uh, you know because my mother-in-law is honestly a very uh, conservative type person that this sure. isn't in her behavior uh, to behave that way but it was just one of those situations she was getting poured on she was getting mad uh, this lady wasn't paying attention so it was a funny story so <laughs> I imagine there's probably more than a few types of those stories from CFD you know um, yeah. it, it, thankfully that's my only one that's good that's <laughs> awesome you know yeah. and, and you know all in all I mean from from the four years I've been here and the stories that I've heard as far as people's experiences it is a common thing mm -hmm. particularly not for airmen mm -hmm. um, so that's always a nice thing when we're you know having those positive experiences mm -hmm. you know out in town but uh, um, Talking about some of you know air, back to going back to airmen and that kind of thing, what would you say about the the importance of mentorship and being there for people in you know that, that you're leading or you're supervising? I, I think I, I think it's huge, and one of the things from that standpoint is you know being available to your airmen, and as you go up in rank, one of the unfortunate things that happens is that you know by design, I'm not as able to be out there day to day with the airmen as I was, you know, whenever I was a staff or tech sergeant along those lines. And, and that's because, well, they have staffs and techs and masters and seniors. And, and even now they have other chiefs in their units, you know, that, that, that are responsible for their airmen. So I think it's vitally important. And one of the things uh, that I love doing is, you know, as I, I try and get out and do a lot of informal kind of mentorship where I'm just one-on-one -on -one with airmen and showing, and I believe the, you know, the care factor is a huge piece of what it has to be with our airmen. And whenever you're out, like, talking to them on the gates, and this is one of the things that's, you know, I love working the gates with our airmen because I learned so much, you know, what they need and, and, and what I can do for them and just, you know, if nothing else, they pretend to listen to me whenever I'm talking to them like I'm sure. some wise old man or whatever <laughs> like that. And the only thing that's true in any of that is I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, getting out there and doing that one-on-one -on -one kind of FaceTime. And, and, and it's funny, as I've, you know, gotten closer to retirement, there's been multiple times as I've come through the gate that some airman has said, when are you retiring, Chief? We miss you, Chief. 
Uh, we're going to miss you. I miss the times that you come out and visit, you know, with us on the gates and stuff. And I think those things really matter uh, from a mentorship standpoint. And, and that showing that you're not too good to come out and work a gate or something along those lines, I think that's important to our airmen to know that. And whenever I sit and talk with my NCOs and my, my senior NCOs, one of the things that I do talk to them about is never be good to pull a post. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I probably more than just them, but several of them have definitely heard me say that. Um, you know, because I've worked, you know, our maintenance support team duties. I, you know, there was a time that former wing commander here, Colonel Kravitsky, he came out on a post visit uh, to uh, a convoy site, and as he shows up there, you know, he's looking and he's like, and he tells it like this here. This is kind of the way he tells the story, but he's like. Jesus, that's the oldest airman I have ever seen. Um, <laughs> as he as he's walking up, and uh, and then as he gets closer, he recognizes it's me, and I salute him. I say, "Sir, Chief Bradley reports, you know, whatever my call sign was. I'll secure, prepare for inspection. You request a post briefing." And thankfully, he did not, because I had not learned my post briefing yet. I was reading through it all morning because I was like, I'm not going to be that guy that can't give a post briefing. <laughs> and he showed up before I had a chance to do it, you know. But I was out there, you know. So, and, and frankly, most folks, you know, out in the field would say that that's one of our, you know, least favorable places to work is one of those, you know, maintenance support teams or camper teams, you know. And, uh, you know, he came out there and uh, he gave me a hard time, of course, for it. But, you know, but it's just, for me, those opportunities to do things like that, you know, where I can learn, you know, learn from the airmen what their job is. Because I always tell them, even though I probably have a pretty good idea since I've been here three times on what their job is, but I always say, hey, I'm the dumbest airman you've ever met. I need you to teach me how to do this job, you know, and, and that's kind of the role that I give those airmen, you know, whenever I'm out there doing it, whether it was riding on a convoy, I pulled an alert for TRF, and I remember uh, the senior that was in charge of TRF at the time, uh, one of the staff sergeants came up to him and goes, hey, senior, is a, is a chief going to be able to do some of these things and everything like that, you know, because, you know, the goal for them, I think, was to smoke the chief. And they did a pretty good job, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But I was able to keep up with them pretty good. You know, whenever we were out doing small unit tactics across the field and assaulting through a launch facility and different things like that with all our gear on, you know, and getting called in the middle of the night to come out and run through the shoot house and stuff, you know, those things. And when you get to hang out with the airmen and do those things like that right there, um, you know, I, I think are important. You know, and, and one of the things for me, especially where I'm at, you know, my body's not the same as it was, say, 20 years ago. Uh, but I think, I think, and I hope that my airmen appreciate that while I may not be the fastest guy or the strongest guy or the best tactical guy or whatever like that anymore, um, what they appreciate is that I'm, I'm there. You, you know, uh, whenever we were up at Guernsey a little while ago with me and uh, the boss, we were uh, doing uh, – uh, the advanced tactics course they have this final ruck and they got this and it's a it's only a four mile ruck but there's this hill at the end of it that's really it's it's a tough hill you know but I was there um, I didn't fir- finish first I think the boss finished second honestly but uh, or maybe he finished first but he was first or second but um, so but we're sitting here and we're running with these guys and there's quite a and frankly there was a few that I passed most of them were from my not and as I'd pass them I would make the joke and say 
5,000 feet sucks, doesn't it? You know, because they're used to being a little bit lower in elevation. So, you know, as I'd pass them, I'd say, man, 5,000 feet sucks, doesn't it? You know, and and this hill at the end of it, I sit there and I said, did you guys name this hill after me? Because that hill is tough as hell, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I, you know, I would have some fun with that kind of stuff, uh, you know. And, and that's the other piece of it that I probably wasn't as good when I was younger from a mentorship standpoint is sh showing people to have how to have fun sure. you know and making the job fun because I try and laugh and joke all the time at work I want people to do that and, and understand that while we have a deadly serious mission here at F.E. Warren there is no question about that you know with our job being to put warheads on foreheads with some bone chips and pink mist going along with it that's our job here at F.E. Warren so it's a deadly serious job, but it doesn't mean you can't have fun with the job. Um, so, so I like to have fun with everything that I do. I get irritated when I'm not having fun. Um, so I enjoy the, the fun part, the laughing and joking, and and you know being silly from time to time. You, you know, you guys, <laughs> you guys have seen my stupid videos that I have done on Facebook whenever we had those competitions where I, uh, you know, whether it was you know doing push-ups or uh, the burpees. American twist, oh, yeah, yeah, American twist and burpees were the yeah. two things that we did, you know. And I, I, you know, I like to have fun, you know, it's friendly competition, and so I, you know, sometimes you know, you know, you hit it and you know, you did really well because I know some of those videos that I did, I remember like I watched them over again because I thought they were funny, you know, because <laughs> I, because I, I had fun with it, you know. Sure. They, they helped us get to over 30,000 burpees in 24 hours yeah. throughout global strike which yeah. is pretty incredible if, if you're asking me <laughs> yeah no especially because at the end of the day i hate burpees and i know burpees hate me too because i've seen the boss's shirt but uh <laughs> but but i absolutely hate burpees so burpees hate everybody yeah Jake. i'm for not sure I don't, yeah i don't think that that's they're something they're like aptly that. named for sure because <laughs> they get you to that point yes absolutely yeah. absolutely now i wanted to ask you chief is, is there a specific, and it doesn't necessarily have to be specific, is there a time, an experience, or a mentor in your 27-year career that kind of made you go, made the light bulb click on? Like, this is it. That's a pretty good question. Um, I've, there's several people throughout my career that have been just awesome folks that have motivated me and pushed me in different directions. So to sit here and just say one, and I will miss some as we talk through some of these names and everything like that, but there's been several folks that have been that kind of person for me. Um, you know, there's a, you know, growing up as a young airman, and I was thinking about this dude, I was looking at some old EPRs, and there was this young buck sergeant whenever I was a brand new airman. Uh, and. You know, unfortunately, in my opinion, the Air Force got it wrong because I think Scott Schachter would have been a, a great NCO to continue on in our Air Force career. And uh, he, uh, you know, the thing that he did was he took care of me. You know, he showed that he cared. He did some a little bit of training and stuff like that with me. You know, and my first supervisor, Scott was my second supervisor. You know, my first supervisor set me up for failure. You know, he just... You know, he was an awful supervisor. But Scott came in, and 
Scott was not necessarily the best supervisor I ever had, but he was a really good supervisor because he was good at his job and he cared to make sure that I was successful. You know, so 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 Scott was a good dude, and then uh, you know I worked for a bunch of different folks throughout uh, time, and there's this guy, and I I don't want to say that uh, Dean McLeod, Master Sergeant Dean McLeod, retired was a uh, was a a mentor type, but that dude was a, he had a unique ability. You know, if you were good at your job, you know, if you screwed up. He, there was no doubt you knew that you screwed up, but he had the ability to forget, you know, and that's one of the things that he taught me. And I loved working for that dude. He is one of the meanest sons of a guns <laughs> I have ever met in my career, but I loved working for that dude because if you were right, and I'll tell you a quick story about Sergeant McLeod here in a second, but if you were right, he had your back every time. And, you know, kind of... So one time with with uh, Sergeant McLeod was uh, so we had we had let this uh, so this pilot at RAF Lake and Heath was trying to get through they had an alert mission and stuff like that that they had to go and do well um, we he didn't have his line badge or something along those lines so we were doing a verification check on this guy well he just decided to ignore the the, uh, the us at the EC and entry control point sorry and run into the restricted area uh, to get to his plane and everything like that, which ended up, I was on the response team. We went, jacked up, said pilot, and, uh, you know, the next day, you know, because this was some classified mission or something along those lines, and uh, the next day we're in, uh, in the commander's office, and uh, the commander said, you know, Sergeant McLeod, I need you to understand that this was a different kind of mission. It was a classified mission they were going on. And, you know, that sometimes we need to allow these things to happen. And, uh, and the commander then said, do you understand what I'm saying, Sergeant McLeod? Sergeant McLeod looked at him and said, yes, sir, I do, but you're beep wrong, sir. <laughs> so, uh, so that was the kind of guy that he was sure. to work for. When you were right and you were doing what you were supposed to do, uh, that dude, he took care of you, you know, yeah. and, and, and the rest of that conversation didn't go so well. Uh, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> but, but you know that was that was the kind of guy he was to work for. Sure. You know, and then, um, you know, and then there's guys like uh, Frank Fuel and Fitzgerald Hintz. Uh, Frank Fuel's a retired chief, but when I worked for him, he was my operations superintendent. And uh, he was another one of those guys that you know he took care of you if you were you know you were right. One of the smartest nuclear guys I've ever met. Uh, in period and uh, when he was my operations superintendent I I loved working for him and uh, I remember a time I got called into his into the principal's office and uh, we had let some people and at the end of the day they were authorized to be where we were letting them to be at but we hadn't delivered uh, entry authority list out yet and uh, senior at the time fuel calls me in and uh, and I have somebody with me that's training and he's for an area supervisor position and he goes Ray uh, I need you to fix this you know and he's kind of doing it in a very calm way and like I'm like Roger that senior gotcha you. you know I'm gonna go fix this and whenever I left the staff sergeant that was with me at the time that I was training he goes 
am I going to get called into senior fuel's office like that, like you just did? Because, like, he thought this was the biggest butt chewing he'd ever seen, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't think he'll call you. He'll call me if there's a problem like this again, you know, because I was a flight chief at the time, too. So, so I said, he's not going to call you in for that kind of stuff. He's going he's gonna to call me in for those kind of things. So you don't have to worry about that. And he's like, oh, thank God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of a thing. But the thing with, that, I, that I loved about uh, senior fuel at the time was, was just how he, he taught me a little bit about how you can catch more flies with honey than you can with mm-hmm. vinegar. Um, and I saw how he did that with folks, and people would do things not because he was senior master sergeant fuel, but because he was frank, sure. you know. And he would, sure. whenever he called people up, yeah. he never used that rank thing as mm-hmm. a as a guide. He used, you know, being kind to people and and talking to them in a decent way. And and unfor- unfairly, I have judged every senior master sergeant that I ever worked for to frank fuel because sure. that was the gold standard that I expected all senior master sergeants to be and you know when you do that sometimes you know you end up being let down frankly Um, you you do and it wasn't fair to some of those other seniors because they were really good he was just exceptional sure you know and then uh, the other one Fitzgerald Hintz uh, he was uh, he was a guy and I only worked for this dude like six months but he's a he's a great dude I worked for him and he um, he was a great chief while I was deployed and he pushed me to go and be a first sergeant uh, because he thought I would be good at it because he felt like I had this kind of thing to care for airmen and stuff like that uh, and hopefully I didn't suck at that when I went and did the first sergeant gig but uh, you know the true m- measure of that chief was whenever I was uh at Barksdale before I PCS'd here, and I get a I get an email saying, "Hey, uh, hey Ray, um, my nephew is uh, in your unit, and he's not showing up on the global anymore." And I said, "Well, the one thing I knew about this guy was this is a phone call, not an email conversation." Um, and I, I I I called him up, and like this is a mentor of mine, a guy that I look up to, and. He, he, he was retired at the time, or is retired at the time from the Air Force. But I, I called him up and I said, hey, Chief, you know, I, I got some bad news for you. Um, you know, and this, if you taught me anything, is it's, you know, to this is a conversation, not an email. And, uh, and I told him, I said, look, this guy had some character issues and we kicked him out of the Air Force. And, uh, and like, I'm like, what is he going to do here, you know? And the way that he, the class that he handled that, whenever he said, you know, he's like, thank you, Ray. I appreciate your honesty. Um, I trust your judgment. And I was worried about some of these things already with this with this young man and everything. And just the way he handled that and he trusted my judgment and everything like that, it was just, I was like, wow. And then it turned into a mentoring session where he sat there and mentored me on nothing about this situation but just Air Force life in general you know and you know what to do what to expect and you know and how much how well he thought how much uh, we may have to edit this piece no I'm just kidding (laughs) just leave it in there it's good Uh, but but it was uh, you know it was just uh, how he um, 
what he thought of me and what he thought of my capabilities, you know, and, and as far as going forward in the sure. Air Force were, you know, and, and, and it was really, really cool to see that. And it was really funny, one of my tech sergeants that came here, that's here now, he had worked with Chief Hintz at, uh, down in San Antonio, and, he, and uh, Chief Hintz told him to make sure he looked me up and everything like that, and it was just kind of a cool story, you know, and hopefully I didn't, you know, let that tech sergeant down. I don't think I did, but, you know, just good stuff right there. So those are a few mentors, uh, you know, and, and I got one other who's also my best friend, uh, a guy named George Miller, and, you know, he was a guy that was fun to work with, and, you know, and, and he'll be here for my retirement ceremony, but he was just a good dude, and uh, he carried the water better than anybody I've ever seen whenever you know he didn't agree with something whenever he stood in front of that flight they thought it was his message and sometimes you know they didn't like him for some of those things but he was very good at making sure that you know if it wasn't illegal immoral or unethical he he, he carried the water for his boss you know so he, he was just a good dude and he was another one also that would fight for your airmen there's no question and um, I've I've heard stories about him behind closed doors fighting for people like me and others that people were like the conversation between him and a chief did not go you know it, he was very vocal in his opinions <laughs> and uh, and people could hear him down the hallway so I've known some people like that yeah yeah it, it happens so Going back over the course of all, you know, you kind of hit on some of them, I think, but if there was to be one most rewarding experience, um, and I, that, I'm sure with the career you've had, that might be hard to pin down, but if you were to try and guess or figure out one of those, what do you think the most rewarding experience of your career would be? So there was a time in Italy, and I'll talk a little bit about this in my retirement speech in a few weeks. Um, I was a flight chief. And a lot of the folks from that flight are going to be here. And the team was so fun. And they bought into the stuff that I was, you know, saying. And, you know, a lot of times they talk about when you got like 90 folks, you know, it's really hard to get to what you would call, you know, that forming, norming, forming, storming, all those sure. different things sure. that you got, you know. Um, you know, you can get to like a norming stage, but, you know, to really get to that performing stage with that big of a team was really tough. And and I feel like we got to that stage, you know. Uh, we were probably hated by the other three flights in the squadron. Uh, but, you know, whenever you're very successful, you know, sometimes you're hated because you're good. Haters gonna hate. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so for me, that team was so much fun fun to work with uh, that's a huge highlight of my career just you know like we, you know we had a flight of the quarter program and a flight of the year program and the flight of the year was frankly it was a no-brainer because we won three out of the four quarters for flight of the year so I mean we were just like we were just clicking on all cylinders you know I had a great group of NCOs a great group of airmen that worked worked for me and they, they all bought in you know and they've all like so many of them that you know I still keep in touch with have went on to be incredibly successful and it's you know 
it was funny, not too long ago, I was over in, about a year ago, I guess, I was in Nebraska and I was having uh, dinner with one of those said airmen who's out of the Air Force and doing some great things. Uh, and uh, as I'm sitting there talking to him, you know, he sits there and goes, we all sit here and talk about how you kind of defined us into the successful people that we've been, you know, so they blame me for their successes, which is really stupid to do, to be honest, because all I was was just mean to them, frankly, uh, <laughs> uh, and and they and they bought into it, and uh, you know, and, and they were going to be successful because they were just such a talented group of people, and who worked hard, you know, and, and that old thing of you know, talent alone doesn't do it, talent and work ethic, and they had the work ethic. They believed in what myself and George Miller and Jared Higdon and some other folks and Josh Belk and Chris Hill. You know, they believed in us as a leadership team, and it was just like coming to work was fun every day um, as a as a flight chief, and it was very rewarding. Uh, the other one was uh, that I would talk about was I've had some good triads. You know, uh, the boss I work for right now, Colonel Schlusel, he's phenomenal. Um, the guy who's doing my retirement ceremony. Uh, He's. A, I had a great relationship with him as a commander, but the triad was good in all of those. You know, and by triad I mean commander, chief, and first sergeant. Um, but I've had two triads that were just phenomenal teams as a as a as a triad. And you know, I talk about uh, the one that I had when I was a first sergeant in uh, Germany, and you know, a lieutenant colonel now, Michael Thompson. Chief Master Sergeant Woody Neiman and myself, uh, we just we came to work. We took care of business. We had fun every day. It was a lot like we laughed a lot, but we were really, really good. And the team, it was just we were all, we were in sync with everything, you know. And it was such a good feeling to have that. And then the other one was whenever I was here um, in seven, I know before I moved up to the group and I had Rick Berecki as my first sergeant and Colonel Jodlowski as my, uh, commander. And, you know, the three of us, we really gelled as a team and it was, it was another one that was just fun to come to work. And, you know, and I've had great first sergeants and I've had great commanders and I've had great chiefs. Um, but there's only been a couple of times where I have gotten all three of us where it was just like we were all working together and those those times have just been a lot of fun to sure. to be able to work with people because when you when you work with folks like that coming to work is fun every sure. day sure you know? I think uh, you know you're talking about uh, certain Barecki that guy was one of the most intense dudes I have ever met yep. and he was always fun at the award ceremonies he yes, was, he was a lot. He was. Could yep. you imagine him and Colonel Schlussel together now no. as a team? No, no, I can't. I would go deaf because it always seems that when I'm at one of these award ceremonies, they're directly behind me and they're blowing their whistles and screaming, you know, yes. or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to keep my hearing, you know. That would be yeah. nice. But yeah. <laughs> It would be a lot of fun, though. Oh, yes, it would. It would absolutely would. And I, I was going to say, I actually had a lot of fond memories of Breck. He was, yeah. he was a really good guy. Yeah, he, uh, him and I... We actually communicate probably 
every other month or so uh, we'll we'll send a note back and everything like that and I'm, I'm excited I can't wait till November December whenever chief results come out because I think his name will be on the list that'd be awesome yeah 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 very deserving young man so I'm sure. excited for sure I'm sure we could talk all day about your your career and your experiences and I've enjoyed what we've heard so far mm-hmm. is there any are there any final words that you would want to give an airman that wants to make it to retirement, that wants to make it to chief? Um, yes, actually. There's a couple of things. And I will tell you, you know, we talked about some of it in the beginning, do your job, know your job. Um, but the other thing is when you get an opportunity, take advantage of that opportunity. There are plenty of things that I've been asked to do in the Air Force that were not in my comfort zone. Um, and I stepped out and I did those, and I did those well. You know, in first sergeant, you know, whenever I was growing up, like I've talked to plenty of first sergeants who would say that being a first sergeant was, a, they always wanted to be a first sergeant. I didn't always want to be a first sergeant. I had two chiefs who kind of pushed me that way and I am so glad they did because they made me a, that experience as a first sergeant. I knew within a month that I made the right decision because I loved being a first sergeant. Six and a half years I did that gig um, and I absolutely loved being a first sergeant. So they got me out of my comfort zone as a first going and doing that because you know I was a really good defender. I love being a defender and uh, you know they pushed those two chiefs pushed me to be a first sergeant so whenever I went and did that that was outside of my comfort zone and it probably in the big scheme of things it slowed me down on promotions uh, to chief to chief to senior and probably to chief as well but what it did was it made me a better chief at this point right here because I learned so much about you know, there are other ways than, you know, defending the crap out of stuff because we defended the crap out of stuff. <laughs> there are ways to do things besides, you know, the defender way, um, you know, and that was a huge thing. And then I learned a lot about, uh, you know, the helping agencies and what they can do to help my airmen and support my airmen. So I really enjoyed that piece of it. You know, I grew as a senior NCO in my time as a first sergeant. So I would encourage you to step out of your comfort zone and do something different for a short period of time. You know, whether that's DSD or something along those lines. So do something that's a little bit different, that's outside of your comfort zone. And, and I think you will, uh, you'll find that those things like that, they make you a better, well-rounded airman um, and, and do those kind of things. And not just in the Air Force, do those things outside of the Air Force too, you know, and like, if you don't think you would like whitewater rafting, you should go give it a try, all right? I've done it only one time and I'd love to do it again, but it was so much fun, you know. I, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma and Missouri. We didn't have snow to go skiing and stuff like that. I've been up in the mountains and done those things. I have a good time doing those things. You know, get out and do something that's a little bit different, that's outside your comfort zone and have some fun with it, whether it's in your professional life or in your personal life. Those things make you a better airman, but at the end of the day, 
it comes down to doing your J-O-B. Whether you're, as an airman, you're learning your job. As an NCO, you're molding those airmen and still learning your job as well, but you're molding those airmen and how well you lead those airmen. Those are the things that really, really matter. And if you do those things well, then you take care of those little other checkmark things that you have to do, like getting an associate's degree from a regionally accredited school which CCAF is a regionally accredited school, um, you know, those little things like that are what I would tell you is, you know, do those little things, but, you know, do your job, do your job, do your job is the most important thing. Um, and kind of my last thing is, um, you know, for your NCOs and senior NCOs out there, as I've went through my career, the thing that I remember being said about me whenever I joined the Air Force was I was different. <laughs> um, and, you know, and when I was an NCO, guess what I said about my airmen? They're different. And then as I went up to senior NCO, I started saying my NCOs and my airmen, they're different, you know. And, I, and, and, and what I'm saying is, like, I'm like six generations into this now as far as an Air Force goes. So I'm like a great, 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 great grandpa or something like that to the airmen that come in. But, you know, they're different. There's no question that they're different. Um, and our job as leaders is to understand how to lead and motivate them. And my advice for you on that, and I talked about we're not at war right now, is to take the time to explain the why to them now. They just want to know why. I had a, I heard on a radio one time talking to somebody about uh, this you know, talking to this younger kid, these folks were about my age, and they were talking to this younger young man who's probably 25, and uh, it was, hey, if you were in the Army and they told you to go storm this castle, was the example that they give, even though we don't storm castles, so to speak, anymore, but um, would you go, would you, would you storm the castle, would you ask why do I need to storm the castle, or would you, um, or would you not do it? And he just said, I'd ask why. You know, our airmen want to know why they need to storm the castle. So give them the why when it doesn't matter. That way when it does and you have to tell them to go take that hill or take that castle, that they trust you at that time. And then they go and they take that castle without question because they know that it matters because they understand that you wouldn't send them into a situation that it doesn't matter. So that's my two cents and probably only worth a penny. So... Thank you all very much. Well said, Chief. Thank you. Well, Chief, uh, thank you for being here. We definitely appreciate the time to, to come out and give us a couple of your life lessons, and uh, congratulations on your upcoming retirement. Thank you. You're very welcome. And uh, sorry, I'm glad you got anything. Another thanks. I learned a lot sitting here listening to the stories and, and learned a lot about mentorship, and I'm certain that I will take that moving forward. Um, but looking forward to next week, we're going to have the ADC, am I correct? That is correct, if everything goes according to plan. They uh, they do have busy schedules and court cases and all that other fun stuff. Unfortunately. So. Yeah, unfortunately indeed. So we will see if that one plays out the way it should, and uh, hopefully that will be the next issue or the next episode of the podcast. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Take and care. that's the way the... <laughs> no. No. <laughs>